Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined as always by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We are coming to you once again, social distancing style. I'm actually in the Vince Lombardi boardroom at Lambeau Field, as you can see Sir Vince behind me. Wes, you're still in the bonus room above the garage, but uh, we will roll with it like this for a little while as training camp is underway and then see where uh, this season takes us. But what I just said is really the key phrase. Training camp is underway. Training camp finally is underway, Mike. And what does that mean? That means we have football to talk about again, and that's a positive thing. It was a heck of an offseason. I've said this time and time again. I know inbox readers got tired of me saying it. That was about as challenging of an offseason as I've covered, uh, not, not just as a Packers beat writer, but just in general doing this as a profession. I mean, so many of us, the, the, the line you have to walk there is you don't want to beat the dead horse. You also want to provide people with a service and let people know what is going on and, and where things are at. It just moved at such a snail's pace this offseason until we finally got to this point. The positive thing is you're healthy. I'm healthy. Healthy. Larry McCarron is healthy. We've got to August now. The Green Bay Packers have put their protocols in place. And now everybody, in a cautiously optimistic way, hoping we can have football here within the next month. Yeah, and we certainly hope you and yours, all of you watching, listening to the return of our show here, that you are safe and healthy as well. The start of training camp, obviously, very different from other years. The main thing that has been going on thus far over the last several days is the COVID testing. All the players are getting tested on a daily basis. And as far as the work of training camp goes, it's been meetings and it's been some playbook walkthrough type of exercises. There's going to be a, a slow ramp up here to the full contact padded practices that are the tradition of training camp. Those are gonna start somewhere around the middle of August. So we have a little while yet before we get to that point. But then once those start, it's going to be a few weeks of those padded practices to get ready for week one, because Wes, there are no preseason games this summer. There are not, Mike. And to be perfectly honest with you, I was really a huge fan of the ramp up period idea. These guys didn't have an off season, a physical off season program. Certainly Matt LaFleur right. felt like there was a great value in them being able to, to stay home, stay in their playbooks and get to know the system. But you and I both know the game changes once you hit the practice field. And these guys need an acclimation period. This is how I feel personally, to be able to get back into the groove here. And in addition to that, it also allows them the early window there to test guys, to get a barometer of what they're looking at in terms of COVID cases coming in and hopefully keeping them out once practices do begin. Now, all that being said, Aaron Rodgers in his conference call with reporters on Monday, he brought up a real salient point in that this is going to be a big challenge you, you basically have three, three and a half weeks now before you, you know, start going out there with, with real, you know, football going on. So trying to get the scheme in, certainly they've done the installs mentally and virtually, but doing that on a practice field is going to be important. Matt LaFleur already said, even though there won't be preseason games, they are trying to find ways to simulate that competition. They're going to potentially have live scrimmage periods. They're going to practice likely inside Lambeau Field more than just the traditional family night practice to give guys an idea of what it's like to be in a stadium like that. Certainly it's going to be different. This whole process is going to be strange, but the first and foremost, it's the health and 
and well-being of the players and their families, and then beyond that, trying to, you know, potentially play some football and win some football games. So the Packers have their priorities straight. The testing is in place, and now it's just kind of a fingers-crossed approach that they can get to the start line here of the regular season. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, okay. Yeah, and everyone we've heard from so far, at the time we're taping this, we've heard from Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, and Kenny Clark, and all of them in one uh, form or fashion have emphasized – how much the success of this season, not only for the Green Bay Packers, but for the NFL in general, to try to play a 16-game regular season through a pandemic, it's going to come down to personal accountability, personal responsibility. The Packers are doing everything they can within the facility to keep players safe. It's a glass around lockers. There's, you know, meetings are, are virtual, more spread out, different locations, all of those kinds of things. Obviously, the practice field is going to be the practice field, but the Packers are trying to mitigate the risks everywhere else. It's on the players, everybody. I mean, even you and me, Wes, to a certain extent, because we will be, you know, watching practice and, and things like that. But the players, the coaches, all the support staff that's in contact with the players every day, they have to take the personal accountability and responsibility to do the right things away from the facility so that that virus does not come into 1265 and create an outbreak or create a problem that the team has to deal with. Now, will there be positive tests? Yeah, most likely. And there can be positive tests because somebody, not because somebody does something wrong, somebody can yeah. do everything right and you can still get this virus. So that's why the onus is on uh, what you do away from the facility, the things that you can control, that's what the message has been from the GM, the head coach, the quarterback, everybody all the way down. It's on everybody to do their part here over the long haul. Yeah, and I don't remember who said this. It was one of the coaches in the NFL. If I would have done my research properly beforehand, I could have gotten you a name. But they, they mentioned that this isn't even just about player A to player B. This isn't about your teammates. It's about that teammate's family. It's about making sure that you keep that circle small and making sure that you keep those people healthy. Uh, Kenny Clark touched on it yesterday, too. He's in a great position where he's not you know, married. He doesn't have a child right now. His focus is mainly on football, and then he also has his family. There's guys that have small children that are going to be playing in the league this season. There's guys that are going to have family members that are going to be with them. They're going to be able to uh, – they're going to want to be able to keep them as healthy as possible throughout this process. So having that accountability, it's one thing for Wes Hotkowitz to walk in the building and want to make sure that Mike Spofford stays healthy, but it's another thing to make sure that Mike Spofford's wife does, that Mike Spofford's children, that Larry McCarron's wife. Those are the things that are paramount. That's the things on my mind as well. It's that – yeah, there is a, there's a certain commitment and accountability to each other, but it's also that commitment that goes on to someone's family as well. And, and I think one thing that Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur have done an exceptionally, uh, exceptional job about, exemplary job about, I'm trying to say both of those words, uh, this offseason was, was reiterating that to the players and telling them that this isn't just about football. It's about making sure that, you know, you guys are teammates, your brothers, your family, and making sure that you take care of each other. And that includes – being disciplined because there's going to be instances when things just happen. It's the way the world is right now, but are you making smart choices to minimize those risks? Yeah. And we did have one Packers player thus far who has opted out of the 2020 season due to the coronavirus pandemic. And that was free agent wide receiver, Devin Funches. He decided not to play this season. And Wes, we talked a lot during the off season before the draft, after the draft, it's still going to be a topic, obviously all the way through training camp, the Packers wide receiver position. Devin Funches was the primary addition 
through that group. The Packers did not spend a draft pick on a wide receiver. They did add Reggie Begleton, if I'm saying that correctly, from the CFL, and an undrafted rookie in Daryl Stewart from Michigan State, our producer Marv's alma mater, by the way. So um, throw that in there for you, Marv. Anyhow, but with Funches no longer in the mix, the Packers knew these receivers, you're talking about Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, EQ St. Brown, Jake Kumaro, these guys – they knew there was going to be a huge opportunity for them in 2020. That opportunity just got bigger in an exponential sort of way with Devin Funches opting out. And essentially the number two receiver spot in this offense behind Devontae Adams is completely wide open. It is. Yeah. And that's going to make this competition fun to watch once guys do get on the grass because more so than any position, Mike, uh, I'm, I'm sure you could talk to Larry and, and he can break down all the stuff of guard play and what he likes to see from guys in training camp, but to the novices, to the naked eye, the one position that has the best chance of usually of standing out in training camp practices is the receiver spot. That's how last year we knew that Alan Lazard was really the real deal. It's also how, you know, you look at Darius Shepard and the way that he separated himself to earn a roster spot. It was through how he performed in those, those training camp settings. So the funchest thing, I have so much respect for him. Uh, You know, I've been touched. Well, one, I have family members now that have had COVID in two, not immediate, but I know people and, and two, you know, there's certain people in my family that, that have health risks as well. So I understand wholeheartedly uh, one, how this, this virus and this disease has touched him. And two, uh, the, 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 the amount of discipline and really how much he must have thought about this decision. You got to remember, this is a guy that played one game last year uh, before his season ending injury. I I have to imagine he was champing at the bit to get back out there this year, but he made the best decision for himself and his family. Aaron Rodgers mentioning how much he respected that. Now, all that being said, it goes back to Alan Lazard being the player that he was at the end of last season. The Packers need him to be a number two caliber type receiver and not just a really good story. And, Based on his disposition, if he can stay healthy, I think Lazard has all the tools to do that. And then it also might goes back to Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown, the two uh, draft picks that they had in 2018. Can those guys be the real deal? Can MVS get back to his 18 form? And can EQ show some of the bright spots that he showed at the end of that rookie season? Yeah, EQ St. Brown obviously coming back from uh, an injury that cost him his entire second season in the NFL. So he hasn't played since the tail end of his rookie year. But that was when he was really starting to show some promise and quite frankly was probably the the leader of the Packers rookie receivers at that point. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scanling got off to a really strong start last year. Things faded statistically production-wise down the stretch for him. He was dealing with some injuries as well. So he's looking to, uh, to bounce back in that respect. In addition to the receiver position, and we'll talk about more of these topics in depth, I think, as training camp goes along. But in terms of hitting the highlights of what the offense is looking at, uh, transitioning to Rick Wagner at right tackle um, as he takes over for Brian Balaga, who left in free agency. You have um, replacing Jimmy Graham at tight end. Jay Sternberger is the guy stepping up. Josiah DeGuara was drafted in the third round. Mercedes Lewis back as the veteran guy in that group. At the running back position, A.J. Dillon, a second-round pick. How quickly does he get worked into that mix with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams? And, you know, will Matt LaFleur truly create a a three-headed backfield here? And then, obviously, at quarterback, Jordan Love, the first-round draft pick. He'll be competing with Tim Boyle for the backup spot behind Aaron Rodgers. Really puts a rookie draft pick in a tough spot to earn that number two quarterback job when there wasn't any offseason, there won't be any preseason games. Uh, The – it's a difficult spot for Jordan Love to be in, but the nice spot that the Packers are in is they don't necessarily need him 
to be the number two because they have Tim Boyle, who's been here for a couple of years and performed well in the preseason in the past. Yeah, and Mike, you've been editing enough of my insider inboxes. One of the, the drums <laughs> I've been beating all offseason is the fact that if you're an NFL team, this is how I feel personally. Maybe GMs would feel differently. I feel like you have to have three quarterbacks this year. You have to have three quarterbacks on your active roster. If a team goes with two, I, I think you're, you're playing you know, with fire a little bit. And the Packers are fortunate. Now Boyle has had two full seasons. Not, not obviously, you know, everyone always brings up playing time. That, that is important. You need to be out there. You need to get the reps, but also just being around Aaron Rodgers, understanding what he needs on game days, understanding what the preparation process is like. That's going to be very valuable, not only to have that experience, but also to kind of show Jordan love the way and what's going to be asked of him here in his rookie season. Uh, very important components. It's, I, I'm on, it's unfortunate we, the preseason's not going to happen because I would have loved to have seen all these running backs too. Uh, with A.J. Sure. Dillon, you imagine he would have gotten a lot of reps. Uh, Dexter Williams is still in that equation. Yep. Uh, th- those are reps that they're not going to be able to get back. They'll do their best to do them in training camp. But, you know, those are usually the stars of those preseason settings. And then also, if I can just quickly touch on offensive line, if there was one position offensively that I think I feel the strongest about right now for the Packers, it is their offensive line. That is a huge hole that they have to fill at right tackle. Yep. Not not undermining that at all with what they lose and, and not being able to bring back Brian Balaga. But Lane Taylor's back. He has experience at three different positions. Lucas Patrick has been a backup center now for Corey Lindsley and has been in in-game settings. You have arguably the best left tackle in football right now in a really darn good prospect next to him in Elton Jenkins. Certainly if Rick Wagner can pick up where he left off before some of these injuries had come up on him, uh, that he's been a veteran presence as well. So I, I think they're deep at the positions they need to be deep at in that some of those young skill positions, they're going to need guys to step up. But with them being on the younger side of this thing now, I think there's plenty of ceiling there for these guys to be able to reach. Yeah, and just to touch on some of the uh, defensive storylines we'll obviously be following throughout training camp, the ones that come to mind for me first, Wes, obviously the run defense. What are the Packers going to do? Uh, are they going to change some looks? How are, how are things going to change as far as defending the run after the way last season ended? Now, we're not really going to get any answers to that until the Packers face Dalvin Cook and the Minnesota Vikings in week one. But that is certainly going to be an ongoing storyline. You have Christian Kirksey stepping in for Blake Martinez. He'll be the new signal, call, signal caller on the defense, the one in the midst of it. And he will obviously be a big part of the run defense as well. And then when you look at some of the young guys, Rashawn Gary, the expectation is last year's first round pick is going to take on a much larger role in this defense in his second year. And then I will also go with, uh, mention the other first round pick from last year, Darnell Savage, who has a full season under his belt, started just about every game other than missing a, a couple with an injury as a rookie. But this is a guy who the Packers know that Darnell Savage is not a finished product, just like Rashawn Gary is nowhere close to being a finished product. Those are the guys, and they were obviously, you know, first-round draft picks for a reason. Those are the guys who potentially have a chance to take this defense to another level because of uh, sort of the the untapped uh, potential, untapped ability to this point in their young careers. Yeah, without question. Uh, to start off on your first point with the run defense, it was a very surprising move. The Packers did not draft a defensive lineman. You and I talked about this numerous times, 24 yeah. years since the last time they've not drafted what you would consider to be a prototypical, you know, defensive tackle. In uh, the other side of this equation too, is the fact that Christian Kirksey comes in now at inside linebacker. Kirksey's only played in nine games the last two seasons, 
but before that was one of the real big up and comers in this league at that position. Where, what can he do picking up where he left off, you know, in 2015 and 16 with Mike Pettin to, to be able to maybe reclaim some of that glory again, and maybe be one of the answers for the Packers in that run defense, because certainly judging by the moves, Mike, we know how these things go. Brian Gutekunst, Mike Pettin, they felt confident enough with the makeup of that defensive line to keep it basically the same with the exception of bringing in Trevin Hester into that equation as well. So uh, this is a lot of it's going to be on Kirksey. The number one question I have, and we're not going to get any of these answers in the next month is what is Mike Pettin thinking as far as the nickel though? Are we going to see a tried and true inside linebacker in that spot and Oren Burks, a Ty Summers, or are we going to continue to go down that road with the hybrid safety, potentially, you know, a number of different guys that could fit into that Raven green is obviously back as well. So that's going to be the question mark because it's been said time and time again, the Packers ran more dime defense, more six defensive back defense than any team in the NFL last year. Do they feel like they can go that direction again, or do they need to fortify that defensive front a little bit with perhaps an extra inside linebacker? Yeah, I think there are some depth chart questions as far as the defense goes we will be looking at. You mentioned on the defensive line, we all know about Kenny Clark. He's the guy who's front and center. The Packers want to reduce his snap count a little bit so that uh, you know he can really be full strength for the, the bulk of the season and, and late into the year. So how does that rotation work out between Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, you mentioned Hester, the new addition, Kingsley Kiki, the, uh, the draft pick, from a year ago, all those guys are going to be worked into the mix. And then the same thing from a depth chart perspective, as you were just alluding to at inside linebacker, who's going to line up next to Christian Kirksey on a regular basis? Will it be Oren Burks? Will it be Ty Summers? Will it be Curtis Bolton? Will the fifth round rookie draft pick from Minnesota, Kamal Martin, make a, make a push for playing time on defense? A guy that I think is going to step right in potentially on special teams for the Packers here as a rookie. So some of those depth chart alignment type of uh, uh, questions will get answered maybe as we go along. But again, I think a lot of these things, especially without having any preseason games, we're not really going to know a whole heck of a lot until that ball is snapped for the first time in Minnesota on September 13th. Yeah, if Dom was still around, this would have been the perfect year to try busting the quad out. Nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to know anything about it until you uh, roll it out in a game and give it a shot. Right? Yeah, that's not going to get disseminated to any other scouts around the league with this situation. But um, to close on this defensive point, the, the linchpin for all of this is going to be the Smiths. It's going to be Rashawn Gary and seeing what Mike Pettin can do with those pieces. Uh, certainly, you're going to need your defensive linemen. You're going to need your inside linebackers. But how are those players utilized? You've heard Petten say it. I think I was even the one to ask him the question uh, about Gary and his upside earlier this offseason. He sees a lot of the same traits developmentally in Gary that he sees right now with, with Zadarius Smith. Both Smiths, him and Preston, played a ton of snaps. I think they both played over 80% of the defensive snaps last year. Can the Packers take some of that off of those guys? And how can Gary, you know, potentially be the release pin for that and being able to to give them maybe some snaps off, particularly inside in the dime package. That's something to follow because you want to have the Smiths on the field as much as possible. You want to have Kenny Clark on the field as much as possible, but what can those rotations around those three players do to make sure that it doesn't always have to be them, that sometimes it is more of the all 11 guys, you know, finding a way to contribute and giving them a chance to, to catch their breath. Yeah, definitely plenty to watch to see exactly what adjustments are made from 2019. But with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. That is our training camp preview episode. We will be with you a couple of times per week 
throughout training camp. And I promise at some point, I'm not sure when, but at some point we will be in our brand new studio, not just yet, but when we are, trust me, it's going to look pretty cool. So I'm jacked for it. with that, I know you are, I know you're excited. <laughs> you're probably excited to get out of that uh, bonus room above your garage too. At <laughs> Anyhow, thanks for watching and listening everybody for Wes. I am Mike. Take care. We will see you next time.